0: Welcome to the Life House podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Parents in the room, you may be super happy that we're not able to have family service because you're sort of free to listen to what's going on this morning on the platform because who knows that kids have a million and one questions, don't they? So there's certain questions that kids like to ask on repeat. They ask the same questions over and over and over again. So anyone that's been on a long car trip will know the question that comes over and over again. "Are Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Another question that comes is why? Why, 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 why? <laughs> and another question is, then what? Then what? Then what are we going to do? And so there's, there's all these questions that get fired at us and we're supposed to know the answers. And then sometimes when we grow up, we kind of stop asking questions. And although the nature of those questions should change, I don't think that we're supposed to stop asking questions just when we grow up, that there's kind of little questions, and then there's big questions, and maybe as adults, maybe we're supposed to actually ask the big questions. So the little question around, are we there yet? It's kind of easy to answer, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of, it's obvious. It should be obvious to them, we're still driving in the car. We're obviously not there yet. But they're really not asking are we there yet they don't know where the destination is and they don't know how far to the destination so really with their language what they're trying to ask is where is our ultimate destination and how far am i right now from that ultimate destination and so then as we switch from the young people to us as older people in the room the question changes from that small question to the big question the big question of, are we there yet, becomes a very important one. And I mean, there's this kind of understanding, this philosophy, this postmodern mindset that kind of says, well, if we look at our ultimate destination, it kind of, it doesn't matter which path you choose, there's lots of different paths up the same mountain, you'll get to where you're going, You know, whether you're a a Buddhist, a a Hindu, whether you follow star signs or, you know, karma or you do yoga or whatever you do to get to that place, you're all going to get to that. All roads lead to the same place. And unfortunately, without God, that is true. But it's not a good place. That without God, the place that we end up, all roads lead to destruction. All roads lead to a place that we don't want, a destination that we don't want to end up at. That we can look at our current situation and can think, well, this world is full of hurt and pain and I don't want to stay here. I want an ultimate destination and I want it to be somewhere different than here. But unfortunately, without God, the destination is worse than here, that this life is the best that there is and everything, every road leads downhill. But with God, with Jesus, the destination is great, that this life is then the worst that we will experience and everything gets better from there. So the answer to that question becomes vitally important. The question is not, are we there yet? The question is, what road am I going down? What is the destination that my life is actually leading to? And the second question was that why question. Why? And again, kids have all these why questions. Why is the sky blue? Why is it that the sun lightens my hair but darkens my skin? Why is it called lipstick if my mouth can still move after I put it on? Why don't they make mouse flavoured cat food? Why doesn't the glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Why is it called rush hour if it's the slowest time of traffic in the day? Why is it called after dark when it's really after light? Why is abbreviated such a long word? (laughs) Why is an alarm said to be going off when really it's coming on? There's lots of why questions. Why is it that elderly people we called old people, but kids we don't call new people? Lots of why questions and you may not be able to answer some of those why questions, those small why questions, but again, as adults we should be asking the big why question, why am I here? Why does the universe exist? What is my place in the universe? And again, depending on whether you're a a Christian or not, depends on the answer. And the answer is vitally important because the why determines our what. What we do, how we walk, how we talk, how we walk down this road that we call life is determined by why we would answer why we're here. And again, if you take God out of the equation, all of a sudden... The why becomes different and then the what becomes different. Changes our identity, changes the way that we walk and the way that we talk. So if you take God out of the equation, Richard Dawkins, one of the most, you know, sort of famous atheists on the on the world at the moment. If you were to ask him why, why do people exist? Why does the universe exist, he would say there is no why, there is no reason that he would just say that the universe just exists for blind, pitiless indifference, a direct quote. And so for him, all roads without God lead to that place, blind, pitiless indifference, a, a colorless, lifeless, aloneness existence. And you know what? I would probably agree with him that without God, that is the only answer to that question. But with God, again, we kind of know the why that we exist is we exist to bring glory to God, we exist to worship Him and Him alone. We should change the way that we walk and we talk, it should change than the what we do and how we do it knowing that so there's these big questions that the bible seeks to to answer for us and as we're going through this book of Romans that the book of Romans seeks to answer and address these big questions and so we've been going through this book and uh, You know even as as a church we have a a vision mission statement it's a very simple one it says that uh, we just uh um, we love god we love others walking each step with jesus that it should change the way that we walk we should walk with him but it's all about loving god and loving others and so in the book of romans chapters 1 to 11 deals with the why and the how we should love God. And then in in chapters uh, 13 to 16 it deals with the why and how we should love each other, love others, love people. But then right in the middle there's this hinge point, Romans 12. It sits in between The why and the the how we should love God, and the why and the how we should love others. And it seeks to answer that third question, the then what question, as it sits in between these two different things. And so we're going to have a look at Romans 12 today in the hope that we can then answer the big then what question that we all have. So we're going to start by reading verses 1 and 2. If we can have that up on the screen, that would be great. So it says, Then, my dear friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as living sacrifices to God, dedicated to His service and pleasing to Him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you'll be able to know what the will of God is, what is good and is pleasing and is perfect, what is good and pleasing to him and is perfect. Then do not be conformed but be transformed and for those that knew we sort of advertised that this week because it was going to be a family service we're going to have all the, the kids in I thought I need to have something that's going to be engaging for the young ones and a way of explaining this deep complex issue in a in a simple way and so I came up with the title uh chameleons or caterpillars and so we're gonna have a look at a video, if we can roll that, that uh, video, that looks at a chameleon and a caterpillar and the way that they change. So both are agents of change. Both are changing, but in very different ways. Change is inevitable. We're all going to change, but it's how we change that actually matters. very good all right so both ended up changing if we can have that next screen up so in Romans 12:2 it said something very important it said do not conform but let God transform us and then it says then you will know the will of God so, the then what is answered when we change not by conforming, but by transforming. And you see, the chameleon changed by conforming. It changed its outside appearance to conform with what was going on in the world around it. So, as the world around it changed, as, the, as it touched different things that were different colors it conformed its skin it conformed the way that it looked the way that it appeared to match its environment it was conforming and the bible says and romans 12 says not to change that way but then the the chameleon uh, sorry the, the caterpillar then was actually changed internally That something happened internally it was actually transformed and the the state that it ended up in was different drastically different to the state that it started out as now i think most of us would love to know the will of god for our lives sometimes we feel like that we're stumbling around in the dark that we don't know what we should do, where we should go, how we should eat, what we should wear. Like, there's just so many questions. We live in a world of actually so much choice and we don't know the right choice to make. And sometimes we feel paralyzed by choice. And so if we could just know the will of God for our life, if we could just know who our partner was going to be, if we should just know the perfect job that we should take, if we should just know these things, then we would just do them. And we want to know then what? We want an answer for that and in this passage it tells us that we will never find the answer we will never be able to answer the then what question when we live our lives acting like chameleons and conforming to the world around us but instead we need to be transformed inwardly in and through Jesus Now, for those of you that know me and have been coming here and and heard me speak on many occasions, hopefully you'll know that I actually have a childlike faith. Not a childish faith, I believe it is a deep faith. The Bible doesn't tell us to have a childish faith, it does tell us though to have a childlike faith. And as I said at the beginning, there's often a difference Uh, between uh, kids and adults in that as kids we tend to ask three or four times the amount of questions that adults do and so I always like to ask those questions of the Bible I like to ask that why question a lot when I come around God and God's Word and sometimes as adults and particularly as Christians, I think that we don't feel like we have permission to ask why. We think that we should either already know everything, or that asking why means that we're doubting our faith. But why isn't necessarily doubting our faith? I mean, if God is the, this beautiful, inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God and it gives us rules for how we should walk and talk in this transformed way of living, then shouldn't we constantly be asking why? If we're going to let that set and dictate the way that we walk and talk through this life, we should always be asking why of the text. It's not doubting our faith, it's actually seeing this text as something so important. You know, that if we are seeking the will of God, that we need to ask those questions. Why? And so, when I came around this text, the the question that I asked was, why did Paul choose to put two seemingly opposite words together? Why did he say that we are to be living sacrifices? Because to the Jewish people at that time, sacrifices was something that were dead. There was no such thing as a living sacrifice that the, the very idea that something had been sacrificed means that it had been killed. So I thought, well, what's different between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice? I thought, well, a living sacrifice can do two things lots of other things but two things in particular that a dead sacrifice can't and that is as I've been saying already this morning walk and talk and I think the reason that you don't have living sacrifices is because I don't know about you but I kind of know what I'm like I know that I'm more focused on being a consumer than a contributor. I know that I'm more focused on my comfort than being challenged. I know that I'm more focused on my rights and being self-focused than others focused. So the living me the way that I am if I get called to be a sacrifice and I've got the ability to walk and talk well I'm going to be walking straight off that altar I'm not going to stay in that place where I'm called to be a sacrifice I'm going to use my legs and I'm going to walk right away from there I'm going to use my my voice I'm going to complain oh I'm the victim here like someone come and like I'm going to complain about you know, my rights and justice and all of this stuff. And so, kind of knowing the way that we are, a living sacrifice doesn't make a lot of sense. The way that I am. But when I'm transformed, maybe it's going to change the way that I am. Maybe it's going to change the way that I walk and I talk. And maybe Jesus is supposed to be our example of that, that he was a living sacrifice. I often think about what it must have been like for him in the garden of Gethsemane, where he could have walked out, that he knew that the sacrifice was coming... He knew that he was called to be a living sacrifice and the sacrifice was coming, the cross was coming. And so he was there and all he had to do was simply walk out of the garden and to freedom for him. But he he didn't. And I think what it must have been like for him to, to know that he was innocent and to use his voice and to kind of say, I, I, I didn't do this. I haven't told a lie. I haven't done anything. You're like, I'm the victim here. And he could have used his voice to get out of that situation. But he didn't. He became this perfect living sacrifice. And he allowed his life to be sacrificed but he actually was saying hey the living the, the true living actually came the other side of the sacrifice the 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 true living actually came through the resurrection that That this is actually what God is saying and Paul is saying that he wants for us. He wants us to be living sacrifices because when we decide to sacrifice this old life, that this new life in Christ gets to come. This new transformed life gets to be lived by you. So he calls us to be living sacrifices. The Message Bible, instead of saying the word living sacrifice, it describes it this way in Romans 1, which we've already read, but we're reading it in this different version. So it says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. There needs to be something different about the way that we walk and we talk as Christians, as transformed people. Now, I'm going to need, if we can, if, you, if this entire row can uh, come up on the stage here. Yep, Betty, you as well. Okay, so I'm going to need four over this side, no, five over this side and uh, six over that side, it should be 10 of you there I think. Okay, come right to the front here, I'm gonna give you each uh, sheet of paper, you can hold that up. Okay, if you can pop over this side, if you guys can come forward here. Oh, have we got, we might have too many up, do we? All right, there we go. You hold that together. Great. Okay. So, there was a study that was done that said that basically this side over here is the way that we, as society in general, the average, the way that we walk and talk. We have guilt. I did wrong. We have shame, I am wrong. We have condemnation, I will always be wrong. And we have tolerance, which is seen as this great thing. Everything is right, no need to change. But basically, the statistics are that for all of us, the way that we talk and the way that people speak to us is that there are, for every three negative comments, there's one positive comment. That's the way that we live our lives. Now this week, I had someone come in to to see me for some counselling and they listed off all the different ways that they had stuffed up and done wrong. And then they expected me to tell them that they were right, that everything that they had done was wrong and for me to tell them off. and, uh, And they were shocked when I didn't do that. But I said, you already know that what you did was wrong. I said, the problem is, is that you've lived your life in this way where this has actually been spoken over you and you have felt bad. So you did bad. It became your identity. The, the why question of who you are, you answered with a, a bad answer. And so then the what flowed out of that. The what you did flew out, uh, flowed out of the fact that you thought that you were bad, so you did bad. And I just read this study. And so I said, if you had to give a percentage, if you were to think about your internal dialogue, your self-talk, the way that you think about yourself, the way that you categorize yourself, the way that you identify yourself, what percentage do you think of that is negative? Do you say things like, I'm dumb, I'm ugly, I'm no good, no one can ever love me, I'm dirty, I'll always be alone. What percentage of that do you think is negative? And they thought for a moment and they said, 75%. I wonder what your percentage is. This is the world's percentage. And so then what happens is, is that just like that chameleon, when we we touch these things, we actually change our identity. We conform ourselves to match. We, We touch condemnation and we touch shame and it becomes our identity. It becomes who we are. And so right in the beginning, as soon as Eve touched that fruit the first time, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and guilt came upon her and she was conformed to that. And ever since then, we've been going back and touching the same thing. And all of humanity has been conformed and conformed their identity to this way of living and thinking. But then this study went on. And it looked at this idea of what it actually takes to be transformed. Now, it didn't use the word transformed and what it actually was, it was a a marriage study. And based on the words that came out of the married couple's mouths alone, with a 92% accuracy, they could predict whether the couples were going to stay together based on the ratio of good and bad that came out of their mouths and they realized that the ratio that it needed to be to cause transformation the ratio that it needed to be for the for the couple to stay together was not three negatives to one positive but rather five uh, positives to one negative Now, I believe that Paul knew and understood this as well. Not just in our relationships with our marriage partners, but in our relationships with each other, but also in our relationship with God. Because if we're going to stay with God, we need to understand this process. So, we have grace for what I did yesterday We have grace to bring me peace in the present. We have grace to eliminate anxiety and give me hope for a future. We have grace to empower me to live for Him. We have grace that is irresistible, amazing, and available to us. And then we have truth. And the truth is is that without God's grace, I will always fall short. Now, if I can just get you two guys to move into the middle here... into the middle so now when we have a conversation there still needs to be correction we can't deny the truth truth is so vitally important the truth is as we've already read in romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god we need to know that but when we're having conversations we need to have this the bible always talks about grace and truth grace and truth and it always puts it in that order grace first and then truth and so really in our conversations it needs to be this truth sandwich grace grace truth grace 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 now we can't sing but we can kind of we can kind of chant can't we okay you ready sing along with me Grace, grace, truth, grace, grace, grace. Let's do it one more time. Grace, grace, truth, grace, grace, grace. Now this shouldn't just be a chart that you do because some crazy guy told you to do it on a Sunday morning. This should actually be the way that we live our lives. This should be parents, this should be the way that we interact with our our children. That husbands, this should be the way that we interact with our wives. That this is actually what leads to transformation. All right, you guys can go and grab your seats. Thanks. So, it's so vitally important. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, of course, this doesn't mean that we don't bring correction. We need correction, we need that truth. But well, there's a, a couple of qualifying statements that when we bring that truth, we need it to be sandwiched in the grace and the love of God. But notice I also I labelled it grace and not just praise. That there's actually a difference between grace and praise. Because some people, we know that on average, people act like this. And that's what we touch, and that's what we become, that's what we conform our identity to. And so then we can think, well, we'll just stay away from all the negative people and that will be okay. But then I believe that some people have actually caught hold of this fact, this this ratio, and so they'll give compliments. And they'll say nice things because they know that it'll transform the relationship. But sometimes what they're doing is they're transforming the relationship so that they can gain control over the person. And that can be equally, if not more, dangerous because all of a sudden the person doesn't know when to leave. That it becomes a controlling, abusive thing because... They just say nice things and do nice things. So it's not just compliments that transforms us. Compliments may transform a relationship, but the grace of God transforms a person. And that's what we need to understand. And that's what Paul is getting at. We need that transformation internally, Transform from the inside out. And so the rest of Romans, the rest of the chapter is this big checklist, and I'm going to read it out to you in just a moment, but before I do that, we need to understand that this checklist is not something that you need to do in order to be transformed. This checklist is something that will naturally flow once we have been transformed. Now, all of us in this room, I believe, are in a process of this. And we've allowed some areas, some aspects of our life to have been radically, and praise God, forever transformed by the love and grace of God. But we all have parts. We all have little pieces that have not yet undergone that transformation so as i read this through i want you to have a look for the one or maybe two that you struggle with the most not as a means of trying harder but as a means of allowing god to do a transformational work in and through you so we're going to i've uh, taken out all the intermediate parts so this is straight from scripture Um, but it's going to read like a checklist. So, yeah, I've taken some parts um, out, but the rest of it comes straight from. So we'll read straight through. Okay. Do not think of yourself more highly than you should. Be modest. Judge yourself according to your God-given faith. If your gift is to speak God's message, do it. If your gift is to serve, serve. If your gift is to teach, teach. If your gift is to encourage others, We should do so. Share with others generously. Show kindness to others. Do it cheerfully. Be completely sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Show respect. Work hard and do not be lazy. Serve the Lord with a heart full of devotion. Let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in troubles. Pray at all times. Share your belongings. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Accept humble duties. Live in peace with everybody. Never take revenge. Do not let evil defeat you. Instead, conquer evil with good. So I wonder which one you struggle with the most. The two that I struggle with the most is being modest and never taking revenge. Because I think that I'm right all the time and when someone doesn't agree with me, I want to show and prove to them how they are wrong. And honestly, with all the hurt and the pain that's going on in the world, it seems almost impossible for me to think about never taking revenge. But that's kind of the point. We're supposed to find something in there impossible. Because if it was possible, we would just conform our will to God's decree. We wouldn't need the transformational love and grace of God. If we could just conform Ourselves to do everything on that list, we wouldn't need God's love and grace and power to transform us. Now, there are several differences between a caterpillar and a butterfly in the way that they walk and the way that they talk and the way that they see the world around them. If we can have that picture up. So we have a caterpillar and we have a butterfly and you can see that the eye and the mouth and everything about the the caterpillar is actually quite different to the to the eye and the mouth of a a butterfly because of these drastic changes the caterpillar eats leaves which contains poisonous toxins but because of the way that its mouth is and its stomach acids it's able to actually digest that whereas a butterfly drinks the sweet nectar and honey from different you know flowers and plants. The caterpillar can only see very basic things in black and white the butterfly can actually see in full and vibrant color and actually more color than you and I can see. It actually can see the ultraviolet spectrum. That when it looks at plants and flowers, it sees them as very differently to you and I do because plants and and flowers have this hidden message written in UV that tells them when to come and when to go and so they actually see things in a totally different way not only to the caterpillar but also further than you and i and then also in the way that they walk obviously a caterpillar crawls along the ground and it moves by folding in on itself and a butterfly moves gracefully through the air now can you imagine trying to answer the then what question to a caterpillar. It's, it's down on the ground, living its life. And it's asking, what is, what is next, then what? What, what? what does my tomorrow look like? What is the will of God for my life? What am I going to do when I finish school? What am I going to do when I need to enter a relationship? What am I going to do when I retire? Then what, what What? does my tomorrow look like? And from its perspective on the ground, there is no way in a million years that it would ever be able to answer that question accurately because it has spent its whole life consuming poison, seeing in black and white and moving by folding in on itself. How would you describe the sweetness of honey to someone who has never tasted it? How would you describe the brilliant colors of the rainbow to someone who has never seen color? How would you describe what it feels like to soar above in the wind to someone whose feet have never left the ground? Yet we ask, then what? We've lived our whole lives consuming sin and poison. We've lived our whole lives seeing in in black and white and judgment. We've lived our whole lives being self-focused, our lives folding in on themselves. We've lived our whole lives with our feet on the ground. So how am I as we go through this chapter in Romans 12, this simple statement do not be conformed, but be transformed. How am I supposed to communicate the love and the grace of God, the vibrant color of God's love to someone who has never seen it? How am I supposed to describe the forgiveness? And the mercy of God to someone who has never tasted it. How am I supposed to lead people to heaven where they can soar above to someone whose feet has never left the ground? I can't do it. How can I answer the then what question? How can I answer God's will for your life when God's will for your life is so far above everything that you have ever experienced before? That the place that God wants to lead you to, that the road that he is leading you down is far beyond anything that you have seen or tasted or imagined. This is what Paul is trying to communicate with these simple words. I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can. So are we there yet? No. We're not there yet. Why? Because we haven't been fully transformed yet. Then what? Then what? Then what is amazing? Then what is beyond anything you've experienced? You will never guess it. You need to see it and experience it. So let's pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to show us by transforming us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love your grace, your forgiveness, that it transforms us. Lord, help us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. Help us not to allow any of that unwholesome talk to either come into our lives or for us to echo that in our own self-talk. Father God, we need your Holy Spirit. We need the blood of Jesus to come and touch us. We've been touching guilt. We've been touching shame. We've been touching condemnation for far too long. We've been allowing ourselves to be conformed to that image, that identity. But rather, rather than us touching that, Father, we need you to touch us this morning. We need your Holy Spirit. Come and touch us. Transform us from the inside out. Transform us with your love. Help us to see ourselves not in the black and white of condemnation and judgment. Help us to see in the full and vibrant color of the future, the wonderful future that you have for us. Help us not to consume the poison of sin anymore help us to consume the sweetness of your word your love and your grace help us not to walk around self-focused, self-seeking our life just bending in on itself help us to soar with you far above as you lead us Lead us to that wonderful place of your love and your forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to infolife.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.